Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese podcast. Oh, yeah. Doogie, doogie, doogie. What's up, everybody? It's not him. It's not him. You, what? Neil Patrick Harris is on the show, right? No, it's not Neil Patrick no. Harris. It's just Fuck. it's Neil Harrison. Well, I've, I've been told a handful of lies today. Welcome, everybody. I am Joel Cheeseman, joined, as always, by my, my co-host, Chad Sowash. This is the Chad and Cheese podcast. Chad, tell him what he's won today. Well, Neil Harrison, what you've won is the opportunity to talk about stupid shit on the Chad and Cheese podcast and or really cool shit as well. Uh, today we have not Neil Patrick Harris. We have Neil Harrison, who is um, the lead consultant for NH237. This reminds me of, remember Oaktown 357? They had like a couple of like Juicy was one of their songs uh-huh. back in the 90s. I, I, th- I thought it was an area code for New Hampshire. Is that not it, New- it, NH237? It could, be. it could be. But but anyway, Neil has a very long list of uh, pretty much areas that he's worked. Uh, he, he was he was in TMP Worldwide. Now the new what? Radency? Is it oh, Radency now? Oh or is it boy. redundancy? I can't remember. Anyway. He's head of employer brand and insight there for like 12 some years. Neil, tell us more about you. What are we missing? Give us that long walk on the beach kind of Twitter bio. So you don't want to hear about how I met your mother. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. See, that's that not bad. A little, I little British, a British dry wit to start the show. That's nice. <laughs> I thought I'd start with me to go on. So, hi guys, it's really nice to be here. Um, so, I've been working in the field of employer branding for a good chunk of time, actually. Um, the last fifteen or so years, as I said, as you suggested, working uh, as head of employer branding and insight at TMP, not the ones who've been rebranded Radency or Radiancy or whatever you want to call it. Oh, really? Uh, no. Raid and C. That's yeah. what I think. It's the, uh, but, but, the capital, it's the capital anyway. rioters were saying that. <laughs> um, and I guess my work uh, involves a number of facets in terms of really focusing on the EVP. So an organization's why. Uh, and in normal event, normal times, non-COVID times, we're dealing with a lot of very competitive employment marketplaces. So organizations have to be objective, stand aside and understand what is it that good candidates respond to? What is it about this organization that they uh, they have to join? And I do a lot of that work in terms of speaking to senior stakeholders, to talking to key employee audiences, and trying to understand what's different, what's unique about the employment experience they're bringing to life. Um, and I've been doing that for a number of years, left TMP about three or four years ago and set up uh, NHS, NH237 Consulting. Uh, it's fairly obvious what the, the, the word stands for, so I won't spend too much time focusing on that. Um, Are you 237 um, years yeah. old? I mean, what's the 237 yeah. for? It's not that obvious, Neil. <laughs> well, let's highlight it's for Neil Harrison because our <laughs> listeners aren't that bright. Yeah, they yeah. might not. Ex- uh, okay, I, so I Neil Harrison is, is reasonably self-explanatory. Is it the number of, the, the number of women you've in your life like what is the 237 <laughs> um neil patrick harris as you well know doesn't uh-huh. have that many women in his life I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed um 
So uh, 237 is it's a very complicated algorithm that relates to uh, re- talent acquisition. Um, you probably know it. You guys, I wouldn't insult my audience by going over that again. So yeah, uh, NH237, I work with organizations domestically in the UK uh, 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 and more internationally. Again, trying to understand what is it about the essence of an organization, how it ties in with an organization's vision, its missions, its values and trying to bring a, a why, an employment why, to different audiences. Um, it's a fascinating field. For my sins, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, and it's good to come here and talk to you guys. Neil, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to play stupid. I don't know the algorithm of 237 and how it plays into employment branding. It's on the, the employment brand periodic table, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just put this in the show notes. We'll talk about it after the show now. Let's <laughs> let's go into uh, let's, let's go into that. the state of the world. COVID has obviously turned employment branding on its head. It's it's sort of reformed what companies need to talk about and what they need to offer folks. We've certainly talked about on the show how companies like Chipotle are offering you know mental health benefits that weren't there. But so, what are companies doing? What are the questions they're asking you, and what are some of the answers that you're giving them? Yeah, there's very little positive come out of COVID and the, and the lockdowns and what have you. But um, in, in an odd way, there's a simplicity and a clarity that COVID has delivered to employer branding. So the way an organization, any organization is treated is its its people, its employee base since this onset of COVID effectively is their talent brand for the next several years. For me, it's really hard to come back reputationally if an organization is treated its people in an unsupportive, uncommunicative manner. Um, I think for a lot of organizations, it will be a slight temptation to see the current marketplace as a buyer's market and maybe disregard the employment experience they provide. Um, I think that will rebound on them on them significantly. Um, and I, certainly in the UK marketplace, we've seen a real kind of polar divide. So some organizations have been exemplary. The example you gave is, is, is fantastic. And we've seen organizations reaching out, being supportive, listening, really caring for the employee well-being, that whole mental process and you know, just as a slight tangent, I've got a horrible feeling there's going to be a, a mental scarring that attaches itself to a, an awful lot of us uh, as a result of what's happened um, during COVID and, and the lockdowns. And that'll be fascinating to see how the better employers support their people, whether that's supporting them at home or supporting them in, in, in a new office environment there. Um, Say a little more about the mental scarring. Is that loneliness, depression? What are we talking about? Yeah, it's all the good stuff. Um, So it's going to depend entirely on how people react to um, potentially being alone or indeed potentially being in a house, a flat with a – a partner you don't want to be with a whole bunch of, of small children making an awful lot of noise. It, it depends entirely on your environment. But I think for the better employers, um, there's that ability to reach out from screen to screen. Um, my daughter, for example, she's a, a, an engineer. She's back at home living with us. Her employer couldn't have been better. Uh, it's, a, it's an international organization, Canadian-owned, and they've been supportive. They've nurtured. They've listened to people. They've sent little packages home. They've been um, they've been fantastic. And you know, as, as a father looking at how my daughter's doing, uh, you know, couldn't have been 
I can't, can't be more positive in terms of endorsing what they've been about. And there have been other organisations who've just done the opposite, who've uh, have frankly either put their people on furlough, made them redundant, and treated them really abysmally. And that's the essence, of, for me, of their employer brand for the next two or three years. So in the stories that an organisation's people tell over the next six to 12 months, that, that's the definition of their employer brand. And it's going to be really hard for certain organisations to come back from that. And they have to be open, they have to be honest about maybe some of their failings. Uh, and again, it's, it, it's about how they tell those stories. We've done a shitty job of telling stories thus far, though. That's the biggest issue. And I'm not just talking about companies. Yeah. I'm talking about countries, right? The United States uh, in itself has done a very bad job in selling that this is this is a health crisis that has mm-hmm. impacted the economy, not the other way around, right? So that's number one. Number two, now we have uh, in in a, a Ohio, a state that's just next door to us here in Indiana, mm-hmm. 60%, 60% of medical staff in nursing homes have uh, declined to take the vaccination, the employers, the employers and the states and the federal government need to have a brand around this to ensure the only way we're getting back to work, Neil, is to be able to get the goddamn shot if you're an (laughs) essential worker. But some of these essential workers are turning it down. What can employers do to be able to help because they're going to have to mandate that these shots are taken. If you're coming back into the office, right, what can they do? Yeah, I think it's a massive issue. You talk about mandating and making it obligatory. Um, certainly in the UK, that's that's not a, that's a non-starter. Um, I think it's about education as much as anything else. I think to... I think there's a war being won, um, certainly looking at our media. I'm fascinated to see the balance of how they're playing the, the virus. And up until the beginning of this year, so come March and, a- and April last year, there was lots of, of, of um, focus on hospitals, people on ventilators, lots of doom and gloom, kind of scaring people, if you like. Then there's big kind of lockdowns. And then the whole thing eased up. And for me, there was too much easing up of that in the media. So all the health issues weren't really being played front and centre. That's changed since the beginning of this year. So we're back to seeing a whole lot of people struggling in hospitals. And actually, those people who are patients and obviously really, really struggling, they're actually on camera talking about their kind of battles with breathing. And I think that sense of education and seeing very ordinary people who uh, are neither 80 plus, not overweight, normal people doing normal jobs, uh, having caught that through no fault of their own um, in that situation. I think that's there's a sense that that the tide is being is turning there, and certainly as far as the UK is concerned, those kind of stats that you're talking about probably don't necessarily exist. Uh, and uh, you know we've probably ten percent of people have already got that um, that first jab, and we'll see how the, the rest of that goes. But 
you can't mandate people, you can't force people, because if you force people to try and do something, that a lot of them are just going to do the opposite. The problem is if you don't mandate it, mm-hmm. then how are you going to get them back into a scenario where there's huge risk that could be associated with them coming back to the office? We're talking about people dying. We're not talking about somebody prospectively getting a fucking paper cut, for God's mm-hmm. sakes, right? And on LinkedIn, they actually did a poll that had about 80,000 respondents. And the question was, should employees be required to take a COVID-19 vaccination before turning to uh, returning to the office? Only 36% said yes. I mean, that's, that to me is a corporate branding issue as well as a country branding issue. And this is going to be different as I, as I think you, you just were, were talking about from Europe to the United States. And if you're a multinational type of an organization, you need. it sounds like you have to get a COVID brand ASAP. We Americans don't do well with mandates, Neil. I didn't know if you knew this about us. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of assuming not. Um, uh, yeah. And I, 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 um, the UK, are we any different? Well, probably slightly uh, more inclined to, 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 the, uh, to stand in line. But um, I think it's the way it, – it's like any story. It's the, it's the way it's told. And you have to talk to audiences about the, 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 how to play that, what, what's acceptable, what's not. Do you scare the ass off people or are you much more conciliatory? Do you have a lot softer notion, a lot softer tone and you go out to people? But, it, I mean, 80,000 is a, ma- a massive kind of um, study. I'll, I'll tell you a little piece of research I did three or four months ago. So I researched a bunch of uh, people who were in candidate audiences but were currently working. So they weren't desperate for a new job. So I asked them, so I asked a bunch of questions, and one of which was, uh, you've got a choice, okay? So your next job, would you prefer to move to an organization that had treated its people well during COVID, but which had some kind of challenges? Or would you like would your next job be with an organization that's doing really, really well, but hadn't treated its people well during COVID? The response to that was fascinating. So 93% of people would rather go to an organization that supported, was there for its people, even if it might have some challenges ahead, rather than the other way around. So just 7% of people wanted to work with an organization that might have been doing really well, but treated its people really, really poorly. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. But first, we have a question for Andy Katz, COO of Next. Andy, if a company wants to actually come to Next and utilize your database and target texting candidates, I mean, how does that actually work? Right. So we have the software to provide it two different ways. If an employer has their own database of opted in text messages, whether it's through their ATS, we can text on their behalf. Or we have over 8.5 million users that have opted into our text messaging at this point. So we can use our own database. We can dissect it by, obviously, by geography, by function, um, any which way. And sometimes we'll even parse the resumes of the opted in people to target certifications. So we really can, you know, dive really deep if they want to hone in on, you know, just give me the best hundred candidates that I want to text message with and have a conversation back and forth with versus going and saying I need 30,000 retail people across the country. And that's more of a, you know, yes, no text messaging back and apply. 
For more information, go to hiring.next.com. Remember, that's next with the double X, not the triple X. Hiring.next.com. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Let's talk about uh, carrots and sticks for a second. Um, where are you on incentives, <laughs> incentives or punishments um, in terms? Like, are you for giving cash bonuses if you get a if you get a, a a shot before coming in, or there's some sort of a punishment if you don't get a shot in some way? Are you, where are you? Where do you fall on that? Oh, fascinating question. Um, I mean, a lot of it is going to be it's going to be market driven, I suspect. And if you're a situation where the market, the labor market is really tough, which it is on both sides of the Atlantic, then effectively the power, the power's maybe the wrong word, but um, employers have the, the whip hand there. So they have the effectively the, the power, whether that's unspoken or spoken power, to exert that kind of thing. I, I think they'd really, really struggle in so many marketplaces. And you talk about the, the Dutch and those guys are, are out rampaging on the streets because they don't want to be locked down anymore. I suspect if, if, you, if you introduce that kind of thing, there'd be even more rioting. I don't think people can use the stick in terms of getting people back in the office. I think it's about presenting the office as safe. And for me, there's a whole different subject there about how do employers recreate that sense of community back in the workplace. So how? So for a lot of organizations, there's no, you've got empty offices, there's community is completely broken down there. So how do you recreate that? Um, and there's lots of different facets to that in terms of physical, uh, the physical office space, the health and safety, the uh, sociological, that kind of giving people the confidence to go back into the workplace how do you uh, manage workflow but also just literally making it very clear that this is a safe place to return to now whether whether you do that in terms of um, saying look to come back into our office thou shalt have this injection whether you like it or not I think it'll be interesting to uh, for some organizations that have direct customer contact because if I'm a customer, do I want to go to a workplace that has that I'm going to come into contact with people who haven't had the vaccination? Yeah. Probably not. Could, could you see some litigation down the line? So if I oh, yeah. catch COVID oh, yeah. and, and you guys, <laughs> I've been in t- touch with you guys, I've been getting a hamburger from you guys or buying a shirt from you guys, um, and you, you haven't mandated that – you guys have a vaccination all of a sudden am i going to be suing you as a result it's pronounced cheeseburger neil not hamburger <laughs> um so i want you to put, put the carrots and stick away for a second i want you to bring out your crystal ball mm. 
Um, let's go three to five years in the future. Do we go back to the office? Do we stay at home? Certainly, we've talked about on the show of companies are never going back. Uh, it's too expensive to have commercial real estate. They're saving so much money at home. Is it like the young people go to an office for a while and the old people show up sometime? What what does this thing look like three to five years from now? Yeah, I, I think there's been a, a natural reaction to say it's the end of the office, it's the end of the workplace. Who needs it? You know, we're doing okay. We've made the best of a bad situation. I, I absolutely endorse your point about uh, age. And again, going back to my poor daughter there, so she's 25. What does she want to do? She wants to meet people in offices. She wants to go out with beers with people. She wants a whole sense of fun and collaboration and that whole vibe there. Does her considerably older father want to do that necessarily to a far lesser degree? But having said that, I th- um, just from a, an ideas perspective, just in terms of generating thought processes, there's nothing like interacting, even, on, even in scenarios like this, there's nothing like contact with other people to spark thoughts to come up with different concepts and ideas and that sense of collaboration i think a whole bunch of people have missed and not to go back to the office i don't i don't think that it's it's not binary um people talking about a blended working solution whereby you know you might go back two days a week you might go back three days a week you might work one week and off the next week uh, i think organizations will find their own way through this uh again it often goes back to your own personal situations if you're living in a nice house with a nice garden you've got a nice personal relationship there uh you might want to spend more time at home if those things aren't in place you're not possibly living in the nicest of uh, of home environments from all sorts of different perspectives do you really want to spend additional time there i'm guessing probably not so it will depend on on so many different facets there um i mean certainly what we were staggered in the uk about why were we staggered not at all but um pollution levels drop like a stone as soon as yes. no one was going to the office so no one's getting in cars and buses and trucks and what have you so all of a sudden <laughs> the skies are clear the air is nice to breathe um and what do we want to do we want to go straight back to that and all of a sudden but actually because public nobody really fancied public transport bought for obvious reasons people then realized that actually if they got got in their cars then they wouldn't be sat next to someone they didn't really fancy sitting next to they didn't have a mask on um and um and, and so all of a sudden we're back using our cars again so um do you know what it, it's really not clear but people people like people people want the comp- that sense of company um, uh, and, and for a whole generation to miss out on that, I, I just don't think it's going to happen at all. Is, isn't it important that companies start engineering that whole idea now on what they're going to do, the actual st- strategy on getting people either back in the office, either in a hybrid scenario mm. or, or, or or what have you, so that they can build a brand and a talent acquisition uh, strategy around that. Because if talent acquisition doesn't know in next year, let's say 2022, whether they're going to be a back in the office type of organization, an at home organization, or a blended organization, it is hard to be able to sell what you don't know. No, exactly. And I, I think that applies to so many different things. I think people 
as much as possible, want clarity, want a sense of what the next six to 12 months are going to look like. Now, for a lot of organizations, absolute clarity in, the, in that circumstance is, is impossible. But people want a sense of, of what it's all about and, and what ultimately they're working on, what they're, what, what they're contributing to that sense of direction. So just to say, look, we're going to play it by ear for the next six months. We hope it'll go right, but who knows? It isn't really the clarity and reassurance that people are looking for. They want to have a broad idea of what the future has looked like and, and where they're going. Now, whether that's an organization pivoting and changing what its, what its business is like or how it goes about its business or, as you were suggesting, where it goes about that business, that's one thing. But organizations that just leave that um, leave that open, I think, are going are, are gonna to be at disadvantage. And that's um, – I wrote a blog just this week, actually, about ripples um, and, and how organizations, whether it's a global organization, those ripples reaching um, effectively around the world – or, or actually just those ripples reaching people's individual houses and flats is another thing. And, and, and the importance of internal communications and, and delivering the people brand, the talent brand, whatever you want to call it, locally or indeed globally, it, it is, is more important, frankly, than it's ever been before. And, and just to neglect that and, and, and assume people are okay or assume that because in, unemployment figures are going at, uh, going up, then actually do we really need to engage with our people? Do we really need to, to, to look out for them? Certainly organisations, some organisations are, are, are taking that option. is absolutely wrong. And, and again, going back to the start of this, people's – employer brand people's talent brand is being forged as we speak by the decisions they're making in terms of support nurturing community and communication so if you're not getting those ripples those magic ripples of communication out to your folk whether it's in individual laptops or it's to uh, whole countries then you're going to be a disadvantage and, and, and whether it's about the office environment, whether it's about vaccination, whether it's about engagement levels, whether it's about really making sure that people um, are being listened to and their voices heard, all of those things apply in equal measure. Neil, you you, you said uh, most people like people or, or people like people, and and I actually hate most people, but that's a separate <laughs> that's a separate podcast. Join the club, uh, yeah. So uh, and and I hate. I hate people more ever since I've been only talking to Chad for a year. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, some of the technologies that have come out. And, and as Chad and I talk about companies and startups that have been funded over the last year, they are very focused on the work from home phenomenon, right? And whether it's video recruiting or, uh, you know, chat bots or job fairs online, um, they're all trying to solve this problem of we're not going to get back together again um, for a while, if at all. So I'm curious your take on technology. You know, companies that want to you know building build engagement uh, and a work from home environment. Companies that are you know whether it's video. Um, one thing that a story that I that came to my mind was that culturally or like women feel like they aren't heard as well on Zoom calls because they're less likely to interrupt people to get their voice heard. So I'm curious, are these technologies going to be longstanding or are they going to fail in building engagement and actual nuances of human engagement 
um, going into the future? I, I think as going back to that original question about you know blended working, we're we working at home, we work, are we working um, in the office? It's going to be a combination thereof, and I think some of the some of the innovation, and that's one of the really really positive things again about what's happened is, and the the, the guy who owns Microsoft, you know, is talking about there's been two to three years worth of technological development in two to three months. He said that last year, you know, uh, uh, when we were into the COVID period there. And, it, and it, for better or worse, it's accelerated so much, uh, you know, take the vaccines, for example, that the progress that's been made in terms of vaccines, which would have taken, what, 12, 14 years normally, it's happened over the course of a year. It's absolutely staggering because there's been a will and there's been money invested in it. And I think that the same thing for a lot of technology that necessity to drive, you know, whether it's video uh, interviewing, whether it's video conferencing, whether it's going to uh, um, virtual uh, events, I think there will be a sense of blending. I think there will be a natural reaction as and when people feel it's safe to go to physical events. I think there will be a, a real desire to go back and meeting people and laughing at people and, and, and laughing at people's funny names and shaking their hands because uh, we, we, we've missed all that. Um, so, yes, I think those technologies are here to stay. And, and, and what's happened to Tech Zoom, for example, This isn't a Zoom, obviously, but I've I've had several Zoom calls today, as I'm sure most people listening to this have done that. And I probably had pre-COVID, Hamadir had probably as many as I have in a week normally now. So we've embraced. There's been a sense of embracing technology. I think we're quite discerning about it, and I think we, we, you know, there have been some video conference facilities, for example, which were around pre-Zoom, which all of a sudden. We didn't really like they weren't they were a bit clunkier and, and unintuitive so yes it's great that people are harnessing new technologies that those technologies have been accelerated as a necessity of covid i think we're more discerning as users in terms of thinking do you know what it's a great idea but it's a bit clunky uh, and actually do you know what i'd really like, like to go and meet people in, in in person again because we can do that and you know six nine months down the line, who knows? But uh, will those things be dropped entirely? No, they won't because they're massive labor savers. Do we want to be jumping on planes like we did to to a certain extent? No, we won't be doing that. like everything, I think the solution is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, I love that you said laughing at people instead yeah. of laughing with people. You're, you're, <laughs> My mistake. I want to party with you, Cowboy. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what he was thinking. So I'm glad he said it. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to just say to all the listeners out there and, and, and it, that we have done this before. If you remember in the 1950s, the polio vaccine, we provided i know in the u.s we actually built a brand it had a mascot it was a civic duty right and companies got behind that and everybody got their vaccination so we can do this we don't have to use the word mandate but god damn it these things have to happen but we overall companies the uh the employees we have to get a better idea of how we get there and neil we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this if if listeners want to find out more about you where would you send them so uh if you would go to um employerbrandingadvantage.com bit of a mouthful i do apologize uh plenty of information on there plenty of blogs which you might want to listen to about subjects like this right across the talent acquisition evp space uh, come along and have a look at the website love it Excellent. Jolly good. Really appreciate it, Neil. Thank you, guys. Really good talking to you. 
Another one in the can, Joel. We out. We out. Bye. All right, Neil. Best band from Liverpool not named the Beatles. Echo and the Bunnymen. Fair enough. Thank you for listening to podcasts with Chad and Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.